0: The Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War. Art of War. Strategy and tactics. Discussion with the best players on the planet. Your hosts, Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Hello
1: and welcome to another fun-filled, fabulous episode of the Art of War podcast. I'm your host, John Damaris, and joining us this week is none other than the beast from the Southeast, Mark Perry, to talk all about his chaos jank. As always, we are joined by an Art of War coach, but this week it's not going to be Nick Natavati, it's going to be John Lennon to help us break down all the dirty details of Optimal Play. John, how are you
0: doing? I am doing fantastic. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, Mark Perry's got some of the coolest and weirdest lists, and they deserve an episode to break down just what makes this jank tank work. I'm excited to be a part of it. Awesome. Mark, why don't you go ahead and tell everyone about some of your
1: bona fides? You just recently won a tournament, is that right? Yeah, I just won a GT this
2: past weekend at the Dakacon down in, what is it, St. Petersburg, Florida. And uh, I brought the jank tank, derp and tank, uh, something like that. You know, so many combos, and I just totally messed up that cool idea ahead in my head. Darn
1: <laughs> anyway, I'm here, I'm ready to talk. None of us are professionals here. Uh and this is the first episode, so nobody's paid for this, so we don't have to feel too bad about <laughs> it. All right. So uh, for those of you that are new, this is the Art of War podcast. This is episode one. Episode one we typically call our strategy episode, where we talk about what's in the list, why it's in the list, other things Mark considered putting in the list. So you can think about it as the macro discussion or the overall top-down view of how to play the list. In episode two, which is only available to patrons or through the artofwar40k.com subscription there, uh, we will get deep into the details of optimal play with the list, and we'll talk about individual matchups, a lot of the nuance in the list, and what you're trying to accomplish, you know, more on a—you can think about it as a micro-scale discussion. Okay, so let's get into our strategy discussion. Mark, why don't you go ahead and start talking a little bit about your list? Let's. Why don't you go through some of the things that are in it, and we'll start talking about it. Yeah, so starting off the list on top of the bat
2: is it's built around Mortarion, unlocking uh, the VATs for the Foul Bite Spawn Relic. Uh, and just with that interaction, how it works with Emperor Soldier for Fight First and their extra consistency bubbles. So, leading the big thing is the big boy Morty himself. But we go into a Heretic Astartes attachment that's a little weird in different builds. I've had different ways that I've done this out, but the current version I'm finding is the best way. And this is going with a toolboxy variation. Earlier, of this List was a beat down. I pressured you, I have a lot of fight, and just go with it. This newest variation that I'm having the best success with is going around the toolbox. So, it's bringing out a sorcerer that has, uh, Emperor shoulder that just has delightful agonies and prescience. His entire job, actually, is just to sit back out there, out of the night range, casting these spells, um, safely, where he's not close to every character. If he perils, he just, you know, nukes himself and some other guys close by. You know, just really trying to stay in that safe bubble, and a backfield sitting ejected can, that can harass of small skirmishing units that can come down with like smites you know frag crack grenades bolt pistols and a four sword so then we got this is a um this is a vanguard and then we have we have the tallyman with the play skull of I'm gonna butcher I'm just always calling go life you know I don't even know how to pronounce the property that's just me sometimes I'm um, just like it's a really handy relic that allows you to dig yourself out of these some of these you know, tag positions more often than not that people come and engage me, couple wounds survive or a couple models survive. So this allows me to not fall back. It allows me to put those mortal wounds on you, combine with smites and then warp time myself into better positions and make it for my movement phase. Or it's really also there to help out because it's movement phase mortal wounds. Which is huge for a Gaskell or a Catan. Uh, the Nightbringer right. is, like, you see the Nightbringer a decent amount, and, like, you okay. need a way to deal with
1: them. All right, Mark, I'm having trouble following you. You have to bear with me. I'm the new guy who doesn't know crap about Chaos, right? Yeah. So um, let's slow it down. So you've got Mortarian. Yep. And you've got some Sorcerers. How about we do this? Let's go through, just list everything in the list, and then we'll start talking about how you use it. Okay. Uh, we'll ask questions and, and get to that because gotcha. I'm having trouble following you because it, it's it's a little bit too windy for me being a new player. I apologize.
2: Oh, you're good, bro. You're good. So after that, Tally Man, we have a Foul Blight spawn with the Vats relic. Then we have a Life and Dreadnought uh, with a Melted Lance chain fist, a single hull killer missile, and the Vocalite uh, chest gun. Then we go into the Emperor's Children. Uh, patrol, and there we have a demon prince that just comes with warp time, sword, dark apostle, uh, with his little helpers for the disciples. He gets the five up in prayer, which is really crucial for the list. Um, and then we go down to uh, his relic, is the reroll wound relic within six inches instead of doing my prayer. So that's one of the things that makes him for children so great is that's just a really strong relic. Then we go down to 10 noise marines, a icon of excess a Lightning Claw and a Sergeant, eight Sonic Blasters, two Blastmasters. 25 Melee Cultists. Then we have five Caster mares with an Icon, Lightning Claws, a Reaper Auto Cannon, and the rest are Bolters. And then we got the Humble Little Rhino with also a four-man spawn unit. Um, And to top it off, also that Vanguard up top, I forgot to mention that there's one solo World Leader spawn. Uh, And that's just for, you
0: know, flex and tech for anti-psychers. All right, so... Oh boy, there, there is a lot in that list. Uh, was that all of it? That's it. All right, so just to recap real quick it's Mortarian in his own attachment. Then yep. you've got your Emperor's Children Patrol. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a very mixed Heretic Astartes detachment with a bunch of different legions thrown in to kind of like take advantage of some stratagems. Yep. Okay, as well as some Death Guard stuff because it's all Heretic Astartes. And then you get like the free relic for Mortarian to throw in there as well. Yep. Oh boy, lots of, lots of really cool, interesting stuff there. And you've got, so I know that this is a soup attachment, but just to kind of help uh, the viewers at home, um, Mortarian in his his own, you know, uh, screen Command attachment, he unlocks Death Guard stratagems. And then your Emperor's Children detachment is a Chaos basement attachment, so it unlocks all the Chaos basement stratagems. So the fact that this third detachment doesn't really work in 9th edition, it doesn't get all the stuff, doesn't matter, because you still get all the stratagems that are relevant to those units from the other two pure detachments to kind of mix it up. You got it right off the knot.
2: Like, that's 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 the idea. And Morty unlocks the relics, but he also unlocks, him being just the warlord, unlocks the soup detachment to get, you know, relics, which is really the mainstay where the list started off at.
0: Yeah, so this is this is something that I've seen you working on for a very long time. There's a couple of really, you know, clutch interactions uh, that really matter here between, you know, the Death Guard stuff and the Emperor's Children. Just, th- this is a weird list. Let, let's start off with that. And I know it, and you know it, but it does work. I promise. There's a there's a final result here where this thing is actually insanely powerful. What are those couple of key interactions, like with you know the stench bats, the foul blight spawn, and the uh, the emperor's children, that really makes this difficult for the opponent?
2: So the real problem is its control in the fight phase. So if you're within six inches of the foul blight spawn, his that relic says specifically that you lose your fight first abilities. You lose. You're, you never count as charging for any purposes, okay? So, the Emperor's Children always fight first. So, even when you charge me, let's say Freddy orcs charge, you know, 10 noise rings, I'm still going to swing first, because you don't count as charging, and I have fight first. If you come in with, say, Dark Eldar Witches, they have fight first, and I have fight first, but you never count as charging, and I turn off your fight first, I'll still swing first because I have fight first up and I turned off your fight first before you could even tie my mine to you know contest it um so that's the thing is it makes it where I can be out in the open and control the fight phase and control my opponent's ability to charge me with terminators Even the even more tear on in a lot of cases uh if it's they don't have fight first themselves or fight last so it's adding all those I have four layers of ways to control the fight phase through fight first, You don't count as charging. You lose your fight first. And the Foul Blight Spawn still has that three inches range of choosing a unit, which sometimes I make sure that's really tight in there. So, in that model positioning to make sure that you can get around that in key positions. So, even if you put fight last on me in that scenario that I just said, I still will swing first because I will cancel each other out with my fight first and your fight last. And then we just go back to natural game states. Okay, so
1: so the Foul Blight Spawn's got an... A relic that sounds quite powerful. So I'm understanding basically anybody that comes within six inches of that guy is gonna fight after you fight for the most part. Is exactly. That pretty much how it goes down. Yep. Um, <clears throat> okay. Well that that obviously is a powerful interaction, especially if you can move forward and get on to objectives, right? Where the the melee is going to happen. John, what do you think about that for just controlling the board and, and scoring a lot on primary? Honestly,
0: it's a it's a big pain in the butt. Uh, just because ninth edition has probably been more melee-oriented than a lot of previous ones. And it's a really deadly combination where you, you can get... Uh, so I'll just say that, we'll go into the details, but the Noise Marine units and the Emperor's children are very good at dealing damage. And then how you interact with them gets a lot harder when you really can't charge them. Now, they're a decent shooting unit, so Overwatch is real, but then the fact that you cannot charge them without getting hit first, and they can potentially do a lot of damage in close combat, it means you're very limited in what kinds of units you can actually send in there, because if you send in just cheap units, you're going to get trashed. You need to send in very durable units to go in there, get hit and still swing, or have an array of tricks that is very complicated of your own to try to knock that down. But honestly, it is very difficult to actually get past this combination of uh, you know, fighting defenses that Mark has set up here. Um, I mean, again, you know, if, even if I go in with a fight first unit and I make Mark fight last, Traditionally, that is a surefire way to just swing on someone before they swing on you. This little combination still gets around that somehow, where he fights first and my fight last cancels out. Even if I fight first, his thing removes it. So suddenly I didn't charge and I'm just sitting there and he'll just swing first because of my condition.
1: What if you charge and ha- make him fight last?
0: It still doesn't work because he automatically fights first as Emperor's Children. All it I means see. is that he's going to end up um going back to normal and he can never get taken beyond that point and so he's just going to be picked normally he's just going to get a normal activation simple as that and uh that's, that's really powerful it's again it's literally most armies aren't even capable of get of getting past this point uh nope. it's extremely difficult to do i, I honestly there it really doesn't work like you you don't get past this once he decides like this is what he's doing you have to shoot him to death or accept that he's punching you first
1: yeah or yeah and i guess the what you could do is you could multi-charge him into one unit so sure that unit gets to swing but it's hopefully not going to do enough damage where i mean your piece trades get a lot more complicated that way but it's something i guess
0: yeah so normally in ninth edition people play this very tradey play style where you determine you know what's going to do damage and then whatever you throw in is going to die this is very very powerful into that play style because now you're getting hit first and you can lose those training pieces. Uh it it's really it's diametrically opposed to how a lot of armies want to play ninth edition. Um it, it's really cool. Like just that little nugget of interactions. I, I really wanted to hammer down how different this is than normal, because it's it's so much different than normal to approach the style army. You're knocking it all around the head for me. So you, yeah, that's That
2: right there is the base of how I end up building the control. So I end up realizing when I play this game really against people with this combo is a lot of times I just walk at people forward or I mention the combo and explain it to them. A lot of times people will see that they will not engage me. They won't fight me for it. They'll stay out of engagement or they'll respect it. They won't try any shenanigans to try to reverse it. Because sometimes uh, a lot of of the right now the matchups are Imperial, not counting the that are coming into the meta. And death of the false emperor is a very real sync. And any imperial unit that charges the noise rings, like Damaris said earlier, but like those tankier units that can take the hits, I can whittle down those units because if I have death of the around emperor on fours, re-rolling ones, they're then I can reroll wounds. They get plus one to wound, and sixes of the wound are AP free. I can really, really just like hammer out a lot of bigger tankier units. For anyone who was wondering about, like, what happens if you just came at me with, you know, like a golem in or something like that. Noise rings don't hit that hard. They can really hit that hard um, for these type of fights that were I couldn't fight myself out of for, you know, you just
1: being tanky. Okay, so let me ask you this. How fast is your list? And the reason why I ask is because to me it sounds like you're building a castle. And once you set up your castle, it's very powerful. But can your opponent sort of play around it? Do you see what I'm saying?
2: Uh, mm mm-hmm. huh so my army is actually very mobile and fast because one thing it's not like it's sit in one place and just shoot at you it's very much like i pop down i make my spot where i wanted to make my defend the ground and then i'm slowly advancing from there um or sometimes that position that best position is like right in the middle of the board where the noise rings threaten every single objective off the, off on the sides of the board or board edges where you know maybe my opponent is just trying to like Board edge me, by being in that position, I, I end up more or less pushing with other units and making you have to deal with those units with the toolbox that I have, why the noise rings will either move in into position, or morty is making my opponent go in the position. So really, sometimes I'm just mobile, I'm a very mobile castle. I am not no uh, you know, I sit in one place, I don't go from there, maybe the last couple turns, I run out forward. I'm constantly slowly pushing ground. Or I'm at the spot where I right where I need to be, and I'm never moving because it's middle of the board. It's a great spot to be. Uh, the Rhino adds the extra mobility, warp time. The uh, just advancing with the army, being able to get it in that position in the mid is not hard to do. Why still applying pressure? Because one of the things is I like I don't I don't like to just shoot with the noise rings. I like the charge with them also, but they like to charge the things that come up right on top of me in the, you know, out in the open, you know, they're trying to hold an objective. They're trying to sacrifice, you know, for domination Engage things like that nature. And the noise greens want to be able to shoot you twice. And then they want to also charge you because they're trying to maximize that damage and trying to get those up trades because I do have less units than you and generally less models than most other people overall. So I want to get those up trades. So I'm now- never just sitting back
1: okay now do noise marines still do a ton of damage like can we walk through some of that because my my recollection is that they hit way above their weight class is that still true absolutely so
2: the noise marines for one cp gets plus one strength and damage on their guns so that makes all their small arms fire from them strength five ap zero two damage um and you're like okay that's not bad they're double shooting so it's practically like six shot or six shots a dude. Then uh, you have reroll wounds from your apostle, so you know those crucial turn that you're going in and you're trying to do that crippling damage. Um, you're gonna have reroll wounds up, so plus one a wound from veterans of long war. That reroll wound makes it where you're wounding everything in the game at least on re rerolling with a high volume of shots. Then uh, you're hitting on two rerolling because of prescience and the demon prince close by, but then also the blast masters. The Blastmasters themselves make the units have an extra little bit of, like, just flex damage. It's amazing what the Blastmasters can do. I've had situations where they came through, they did, like, 16 wound scenarios, or they dropped 12 wounds off of a knight. Because that D3 plus 1 damage on their big shots uh, makes it hit them, hitting off, you know, D3 shots per gun, so there's two, then hitting on freeze-reeling ones, their strength 9 plus 1 the wound, AP two ignore cover. Uh, and then this entire unit ignores covered actually. So like certain smaller like skirmish units that are trying to benefit well from getting cover, going to like free up saves or four up saves don't work very well because uh, I can still shred through. Marines, I've th- every single failed save is, you know, a dead dude. And the thing is also you got to remember is like you have living plague uh, from Mortarion. So being able to drive him up over next to units that you want to kill. That have like apothecary phial of pains auras for you know phial of pain or uh, yeah for feeling of pains like the apothecary to invulns all these type of defensive auras don't you don't get them against the noise rings and that's one of the nice things about Mortarion is it gives that flex the extra flexibility for the noise rings to get around those units. You know, that actually gave me sometimes problems like a random six up phial pain on a marine army maybe used to have to have a bigger noise brain unit, where nowadays I get away with a Tin Man because, one, it's a lot more mobile uh, in the Rhino. Second, uh, the Living Plague allows me to get through those type of abilities a lot easier. So it is 48 shots at strength 5, AP 0, nor cover, 2 damage, drilling wounds, hitting on 2, drilling 1s. Then it is with the big shots, it is 4D free. Uh, hitting on freeze, rolling ones, strength nine, AP two, ignore cover, D three plus one damage. R two, R four, D six, strength five, minus one, two damage, rerolling wounds, of course. Um, and it's just, it's, it's a lot. I've had a couple times where they never did anything, but it was always, they always end up doing punching way above their weight class, like you said.
0: Yeah, that is just a ridiculous amount of damage coming out of that whole package right there. Honestly, you don't have to know exactly what that does to know that it's a lot. That's a lot more than anyone wants to be dealing with.
1: Okay, so I do have to ask about a piece that kind of sticks out to me that I don't understand. Did you say you have a Leviathan dread in this list? Absolutely, and he's lovely. (laughs) So, the Leviathan in the build
2: uh, ultimately acts as my second Terminator. This army originally kind of started off as a double Terminator, Noise Rain, Morty, Beatdown. Uh, strategy where it just pressured and pushed uh when the time was right. And it went to the more of the toolboxy and the Leviathan brings one, he brings that extra Melta, because I don't have a lot of hot like the noise marines are good at punching through tanks, but they're not casually good at punching tanks. Right? They have to the work to put the you know, just really punch their uh weight punch their weight through like baby nights to bigger nights. And they really have to like focus fire and try to overkill to make sure that you know your opponent's not spiking free former saves things of that nature. So, what the he brings is that melt length at strength nine, which is really big. He can be pressing to hit on twos. The reroll wounds also affects him, but more importantly is that chain fist. The chain fist on him is flat six damage against vehicles, two d free damage against everything else. So like custo dreads to over death guard knights. He punches all that stuff like really well, and he gives that really good like. It's it's weird to sit there and say that like he's he's hitting those units and he's not dying to them immediately because I can cast delightful agonies on him, and that gives him a five up feeling of pain, a two of former save, a five of bimbo, and then he's minus one damage. So if you press the him and he's strength fourteen, minus four. So like he can if you fail four saves against him, uh, and you're a giant knight. You're just dead. That's 24 damage. Um, so it's like those situations are be able to punch out uh, Death Guard Terminators. He's 2D free damage on average. That's four minus one goes a free. That means every failed save on a Terminator is, you know, a dead Terminator. Um, so it's he's really there. Also, I sometimes act as bait for Mortaria. Sometimes people will look at him and say he's going to die and he's tough enough but they actually have to commit to killing him. And then Mortarion gets warp-timed up, Way goes, even he, he starts going and pulling his weight because they committed to trying to kill Leviathan. The Noise Marines and Morty, Vin, counter counterpit and sw- just, you know, picks up a lot. I put you under a lot of pressure, Vin. Var, it's sometimes vice versa. Sometimes Morty is just the one that needs to be, you know, I'm pushing him with a Mortarion up on a flank or in the middle, and my entire army's moving forward, and the Leviathan's coming up act as a second little baby Morty to clean up house uh, for uh, when Mortarion goes down, if he goes down in the early game, uh, when he's important, like Death Guard. Uh, if Mortarion comes up there, he's good at p- beating up on Death Guard, but he does eventually get overwhelmed if they have, like, good smites or a plague cast, a couple of plague casters. There's ways to put mortal wounds on him, so he can go down pretty quick quickly. Against Zefgar if they have the right extra tools. But then uh, what happens is Morty force our hands to play around that and force them to just, you know, put down a the Mortarion, then the noise rings and the and the Leviathan come through and put a, put the rest of the extra counter assault. So more often than not, uh the Morty is either the spear tip or he's being used as a slingshot uh
1: once the Leviathan is in position to be used as bait or as the second punch. Okay, so I'm starting to starting to get a, a picture of the sort of coalesce for me. You tell me if I'm way off base, but basically you've got a Mortarian who's big and scary. And and if people if they want to kill him, they kinda have to start focusing on, on him early. And he sucks so much fire. Yep. They're not they're not able to get to things like your um Leviathan or your Noise Marines in particular. Because if they fire those, then Mortaria's Mortarian can run the table. Like he yep. can do a lot of damage if you let him hang around. If like if Mortarian gets to activate four times, it's really bad for you, right? So so you've got Mortarian running around, and then you've got these other things that are sort of coming in behind that don't get blessed because Mortarian's there. Um and it also because the firepower the noise marines put down and and some of the other things that you have it's going to force your opponent to hide a little bit and maybe Mm -hmm. play a little bit conservative and they can't like terrain hop and engage you in combat because of the things that we talked about earlier so you're sort of creating this very tough situation for them to play primary is that kind of what the goal is
2: exactly i want to make my opponent have the hard decisions i want them to have more opportunities to make make mistakes Uh, and by making them feel like do they commit all the way and, you know, do they feel comfortable in taking a countersault back? So, one of the things that want to talk about, like, also it makes a Leviathan really handy, is Honor the Prince. Uh, the stratagem is for Emperor's Children, you, after you roll your charge roll, you spend one CP, change one of your dice rolls to a six. So, the Leviathan can go 16 inches with warp time and then just Honor the Prince, and that's like a 90th percent charge rate of a 9-inch charge or less. Um, so it gives that extra mobility where, you know, slow, tanky dread doesn't get in those spots. He doesn't, you know, he's not fast enough. Um, and allows him to get in those little tanky, you know, those little alleyways where like maybe a character's exposed, a key tank, you know, some extra units. And everything can shoot, everything can fight in close combat because that honor of the prince makes your charges so consistent.
1: I just have this vision of this Leviathan running across the field and killing two manacores. What do you think about that, John?
0: I really don't want to acknowledge that as a possibility, but honestly, between warp time and just Emperor's children's ability to declare long charges, that, that's actually a real thing. Um, the, you don't think of that as like, you know, like, oh yeah, just an auto sick, you know, an auto sick sounds good, but then when you actually put it on the table, it somehow is even better. Yeah. Um, cause it, it's basically replaced the lowest dice on a charge roll with six, which again, you know, you think, okay, so he has one six, he just needs a three up. Well, yeah, but he needs a three up on one dice to make a nine inch charge. Yeah. So this comes in with those terminators or, you know, a nine inch charge is usually something that I, I look at as like safe for my opponent to not risk the game on it. But, um, you know, Mark mentioned it without any command points involved, like without a reroll. if you just have honor to prince, you have an eight and nine chance of uh, making a nine inch charge. And then when you go to uh, you have a CP to reroll the charge and a CP for honor uh, of print it goes to 26 out of 27 is the chance that you will make that charge. And you know a tenants charge is still like if you have a, a CP reroll is still very likely. You know it's a 75% chance if you don't have a CP reroll and it goes to like a 15 out of 16 if you do. Like it gets very, very hard to fail charges with Emperor's Children as long as you've got command points left.
2: Exactly. Like the eight inch charges, you're guaranteed to make them because you're going to roll a one and you can turn that dice into a six. And all you got to do is get within one. So anything of an eight inch charge or better is auto guaranteed if as long as I make sure that I you know, discipline myself on the CP.
0: Yeah. Um, well, a, a seven inch charge, right? Because a, a one and a six.
2: A 1 and a 6 is 7, but if you only have to get within, you know, if you're 8 inches away.
0: Okay, That's yeah. saying, so if you're less if, than 8, so. Yeah.
2: If you're exactly 8 or less, it's guaranteed. Vin the 9s, there's some chances there. But it also makes, like, getting around forests a lot easier because at that point, you're, you know, if your opponent's using minus 2 or ways to, you know, really kind of slow you down, uh, it makes, you know, if you roll a 5 or a 6 uh, on your dice, you're guaranteed those charges. With a CP reroll, you have four chances to roll a five or a six. If it's that crucial, you know, if you really have to go for this because it's that important. Because commonly in the late game, you run into these positions where a 11 inch charge, you know, you, you know, that's a low, ch- you know, that's just you're trying to make it work, and you know, it's not very real. But those things can swing games in the late game very hard.
0: Yeah, and you know, I know that we've talked about uh, you know, if you have this CP here, uh, that's that's kind of where that talent comes in, right? Yep. So,
2: Tallyman allows me to farm up so much CP early. Like he is such an easy to splash character in every chaos list. Like if you have a way to splash him in without interrupting your combos, I think you should be splashing him in. Um. Also, him playing that you know that plague skull. Uh, that's a great utility relic. So it gives him two roles there. Other than just giving you CP, he's a character that can raise banners. He can even use the screen in the backfield if you don't have to worry about indirects. And he's just hiding behind terrain. Then, like, there's just a lot of flexibility for there. And that extra CP, that's on average four extra CP, I believe, across the game, uh, allows me to, allows my list, it starts off at six. It allows it to function off as it has 15. And the Emperor's Children... When they make those power plays, they can pump a lot of CP out in one turn. So being able to, you know, build that CP up very quickly uh, or have those CPs for that consistent Honor of the Prince every turn because you gain one, then you gain one Alpha Tallyman. It allows you to have those extra plays to make with the Honor of the Prince and keep it consistently going or alive.
0: Yeah, so basically what I'm getting here is how this army plays is that it's a little death ball that can actually move around the table relatively quickly, is very hard to engage because of the unique fighting rules that it has, and then is also actually very good at going out and getting people because of, you know, warp time and honor the prince and all this stuff. So it's, there isn't, I mean, if you look at this list, it doesn't, like when you see it deployed in front of you, it doesn't look like there's that much stuff in front of you, but all the stuff that's there is going to pull above average weight. Yep. All right, so fundamentally, this army is cool. It, it shoots pretty well, it fights pretty well, it's a little faster than you think, it's harder to engage than you think, it's tougher than you think. Um, it, it is, it's just like this compact, small little death ball that like, bowling balls around the table, um, faster than you think and just doing more than, than you expect. Um, honestly, I, I think one of the biggest strengths of this list is that, I'm not going to tell you that this is the single best list in the game, but there is nothing else like it and if you walk into this game maybe not understanding what this army does then honestly it can be very difficult to fight against.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's worth noting, right? Um because this list has so many interesting interactions that are sort of different than a lot of other lists have, your opponent is very likely to make tactical blunders or mistakes just from the dark horse factor because this isn't this isn't going to be like a known list. It's not like, you know, uh dark angel terminators marching across the board that are now impossible to kill i mean it's it's not anything like that right it's way more complex yeah i mean like i'm I'm realistically
0: going to go into a tournament with a plan for dark angels a plan for dark counter a plan for death Guard. if i didn't personally know mark i probably wouldn't go in thinking what about this army and if i didn't recognize mark perry's name if i was just scrolling through 100 lists on bcp that you know the day before an event Frankly, I wouldn't give this list the attention it deserves because it looks like a hodgepodge kind of array of these are the units I like. And you really have to see it on the table to understand what it's going to be doing to you.
1: Yeah, it literally looks like some guy just started collecting... He bought Mortarian. Then he bought a Leviathan dreadnought. You know, he picked, yep. up, picked up some noise breeds because they have guitars. You know, it literally looks like a little kid's army. I'm not, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just what it looks like.
0: Yeah, easy to underestimate is uh, is how how we we politely describe it because uh, I've played against it and I've lost to it. Like this, this is a legitimate list.
1: Okay, so that leads me to I think an important question. Obviously, you have this like hodgepodge, chaos space marine. Um, detachment in there and there must be a reason for that is it some stratagems that you want to be able to use like walk me through that what's the purpose of that so the basic you
2: know, like heretic astarte's attachment is one i needed Death guard units right i needed the tally man i needed the foul Blight spawn because i wanted those relics i got mortarian's my wallet. i'm getting a free relic from him okay so i want to be able to use that relic and that, you know, it's built around the list for part of my control in close combat for that CC control that VATS is so important, okay? Mm-hmm. So it's either, you know, I have Mortarion, a Death Guard attachment, Emperor's Children, but then I'm in this weird spot where I'm like, I don't want to take, like, for efficiency purposes, I don't need a Death Guard character. I don't want to have to take a Death Guard, uh, a fur Def Guard, like, Elite or something like that. Like, I have no place for one. I'm not mid-maxing it. Efficiently, if it's just death guard, because like I don't need a caster. The troops are expensive. Like if I have to get a plague marine unit, that's really kind of chunky. I don't need a never cultist unit. I really don't want. You know, I want to make sure everything's doing its job, and everything has a role, and it's doing it cleanly. I don't want to have too much extra fat. I want to have just the right amount of fat. Um, so that's really kind of where that attachment is. It brings that extra world leaders one spawn in there for. One sometimes stack them out for engage, domination, screening, uh, without making you know committal, you know committal plays with true units that I have. Or um, he also allows me to constantly like push with my army and have that anti psyker ability. that can be really crucial in like a chaos mirror match. Uh, space will match up with you know their key spells like fight, last for murderous hurricane things of that nature. Where I don't want to end up. You know if I overextend, it could be bad, or these little things. Even the Dark Angels, being able to turn off my opposite can get really, really weird with the cultists, and I want to be able to stop those type of plays. Um, it just I had no extra points there. He's an easy throw-in. I love him to death. Then the sorcerer, if that's in that detachment, is originally it was Airman. Airman was originally on a disc in this army, uh, in this attachment. But I felt that Airman was one. He was my warp time caster, and he was pushing so much forward that, like, my second two spells, such as Prescience and your only really strength, were always in the die range, and I hated having those two in the die range because the Prescience is really important for the noise Marines, our Leviathan and their crucial turns that they need to make plays. So I end up subbing it for a Sorcerer. If I could sit in the backfield, do nothing, uh, cast the Lightful Agonies and Prescience the entire game, you know, guard my backfield, handy-dandy. And then the Demon Prince allows me to push with that warp time. So I end up splitting airmen into two different dudes with some extra points here and there to spend. And that's really just the flex of that, you know, that attachment is I have... Everything that are not in that attachment is what is needed in the list. It's a crucial part of the list or in the toolbox. It's not no extra units that I don't know what to do with these extra couple points... I have this unit here. No, everything's been mid-max to the best abilities
1: I can get it to. So you would say the list is tight. Exactly, yep.
0: All right, so here's my my question for you. Since we've, um, (laughs) obviously you've been working on different versions of the Sanford Children list for a while, you know, you've gone through a lot of different versions. Um, What was some stuff that almost made the cut but isn't quite here? Um, This is a really, you know, this is a well-tested list. This is a, a, a final product, so to speak. What almost made the cut? So,
2: actually, a Death Guard Contempter almost made it in there. But not the normal loadout that everyone else did. I almost had a Missile Launcher, Volklite One-Arm, Chain fists, Contempter in there to make use of the Tally Man. You know, he doesn't actually give plus one to hit anything in this army. So, I almost had him in there instead of life and had some extra summoning points. The Summon Furies, I've done that build before and I've really enjoyed that. But I think with how the game is changing, the summoning can be dangerous because Dark Elder can just really kind of aggressive on you and screen you out. But also, um, I just felt like I like, I didn't need this one or extra two units always. I wanted the extra durability that the Leviathan brought me. So I came down to that conclusion because they, their points was like 60 to 70 points off. Also, the Leviathan Dread is a great why we stand if I use it defensively with a Mortarion. If I know I'm fighting someone that can't just kill them unless I push into you so I can hold back with them and make you have to come towards me. And then the Noise Marines can counter punch you i've been following up with the two actual guys afterwards the two big boys um i had that then we had almost had a muller fiend in here hilariously uh because of femper Shoulder. that same thing with that I talk about that consistency of that charge making use of demon forge he's relatively cheap and he has lashes so that's not bad um then we had Emperor children, you know, contemptor to be thought about because the reroll wounds with all the Volk Light guns are very, very nice. Um, I found a couple other things where I've also summoned like Solo Beast of Nurgle. Uh, I've had World Leader Cultists in there before, but it was never before the previous builds didn't have the bigger squads of cultists, and the cultists add so much more flexibility to my army. Um, uh, so I came down to that part. Okay.
0: All right, that, that that kind of makes sense. You know, that that definitely lines up with where I've seen this list end up. Because uh, obviously, you know, I've uh, been lucky enough to uh, have played against and seen multiple versions of this army. So I've seen it evolve over time, and it is quite quite frankly very impressive how it got here. Because uh, it, it's good. It is. It is just really solid, and it's not. Again, it's not in any of the ways that you expect it to be. And that's honestly my favorite part. Is that it's it's so. It's so unconventional. You know, we always joke about it, but it's a true Mark Perry list that is not trying to play the game that everyone else is playing. It is very happy doing its own thing, but darn it, it is good at it. Oh man,
1: it sounds like fun, actually. (laughs) It's so funny because it plays so
2: true to lore of Emperor's Children, where if you plan everything out, you have a game plan, you stick to it, and you don't make any mistakes, everything just feels perfect. It feels unbeatable at times. But as soon as you make one tactical, strategic error, or like a little model placement error, it can just fall apart fast. Uh, And that's one of the reasons I think I love it so much is because like it really rewards, you know, high skill, making those plays, having all that homework done before the match starts, uh, not questioning yourself when what is the right play um, and just being very confident and pushing towards that perfect
1: play. um, It rewards that very well. All right, Mark, I have to ask. Yes. How many times... In a particular, we'll say five round event, do you get asked to look at your rules? Oh, actually never. really? Nobody ever's uh, like, uh, let me, no. let me read that. I, I don't believe that. nobody's ever ever given you a hard time, ever, not ever once.
2: No, I don't think anyone's given me that problem in like like two years,
1: plus interesting. <laughs> I just, I just would have thought that would have happened because people would have been like, "Wait, what does that do?"
2: <laughs> yeah, now, like, commonly, I like, can recite to them the word by word for the stratagems or the abilities. I also give everyone forewarning in advance of like some of the crazy stuff I can do because I, I don't like want to sit there and feel like I, I got you. I kind of tell you what it is. If you kind of clicked with you, great. If you walked into me, please don't, 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 don't do this to yourself. Don't. No. Oh, he did it. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it it's easy to be told what this list does, and it's very hard to actually get it when you put it on the table. Yep. That, that's the big thing, I think. It's not, you know, like, oh, wow, I didn't know you could do that. It's I didn't realize you doing that was going to lead to me being this sad.
2: And I think that's one thing about this is, like, on paper, it looks very, you know, fragile, very weak in a lot of places, but it doesn't – the army itself – doesn't act as a bunch of small, you know, squads. It doesn't act independently. It acts as one body. generally when this list makes place. It's with the entire army, and it's putting your opponent in an awkward position across the board uh, because of the position it puts you into where you can't devote on everything on one of them. Um, Morty's for glooming bloat, no rerolls, make it really awkward, when also like Chaos Spawner on top of your doorstep with, you know, 5-up Fiona Pana, 5-up five up Envolm Pre- uh, from an Apostle, and you can't reroll against Spawn. Um, so, like, these type of little things that you get in these situations to makes it really hard for you to put down. Um, and I yes. ran into those questions where I'm like, I barely lost any models, and I, just, I took out the entire army. And it's just because, like, I waited until the right moment. They came out here, and then just my perfect attack went off, and everything just flowed so well.
0: The Emperor's children do love their perfect attacks and their perfection. Yep. Well, the was, uh, you, perfection. you do take advantage of just about everything that Emperor's children do here. I mean, between the rerolls, you know, all the Sonic weapons, the relics, like you, you've got a little bit of everything there. Yep.
2: Because it makes so many every unit the, the
0: consistency, Emperor's Children
2: consistency, is what makes them so good. There's a level of consistency in this army that no one else has access to. No one else in the game even comes close to. And that's because of Honor the Prince, the mass reroll saves, or mass reroll for wounds, uh, and just just all these little extra abilities that just really help out a lot. Prescience, uh, warp time—it just makes so many things so extra level consistency that everything is punching above its weight. Are uh, taking more, are taking you know, a beating more of an issue.
0: Yeah, I, I've had a lot of people ask me about you, or me, especially at tournaments. You know, it's people are like I'm playing Mark next. What does it do? And I'm just like honestly, just act like he has miracle dice on his charges because this is happening. Uh, that, that's what I tell them. I'm like honestly, like I'm not going to tell you every single thing, and you know, in the five minutes of uh, like. Well, Trying to eat lunch break at a tournament, but I just tell my friends like, "Hey, just pretend that he has miracle ice and he's got sixes showing. Like he's hitting his charges. Be ready for that." Yep. And they never are, you know. Like you tell them that, and then once they play against it, they realize how much different it actually is. But you've got to see it on the table to really get it. I think. Yep.
1: Well, that I mean that's that's the thing. That's that's like the uh, the chain the chain weapon on uh, the Leviathan Dread. Right. That's not something I would ever 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 consider in marines right like i would never consider putting a melee weapon on a leviathan dread maybe that's just a hole in my game i don't know but when you said it it just didn't sound right to me and then now suddenly i realize oh wait with warp time and you know a forever charge that thing gets where it wants
2: yep if you're within 24 inches of the dread it's a guaranteed charge against you if i get warp time off i don't like that
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) and remember what he said about you know. Four wounds, killing a knight. Like yep, now, yep. think like okay, I have to play my knight army without getting within 24 inches of the dreadnought that's in the middle of his army.
1: Yeah, you, you know that brings up another thing too, and uh, not that you would do this very often, but the threat of that guy just coming in, like it's going to force people off their deployment line. Mm-hmm. And also, one thing they'll
2: talk about, but not been pro- talked about yet, is the redeployment. Uh, stratagem for Emperor's Children. It makes the Leviathan with a 1 CP redeploy. He can just, you know, when I see that my opponent made a mistake in, like, deployment, part, you know, deployed too far forward, something like that, I can really hit hard with the Noise Range Rhino and the Leviathan immediately with a Warp Timing Charging uh, Mortarion. And then your opponent's my opponent's just like, well, I have to kill this Mortarion. He's on my doorstep. The Leviathan's right behind him. And then you're like, all right, well, I think I can kill the Leviathan. I can't because, you know, I don't have real wounds against it, Real hits it, you know, because it's underneath Morty bubble as it's advancing forward. Um, and it's got to, you know, smoke launchers actually is a great strategy for the 412 models where you, as soon as you target, it's minus one to hit. So minus one to hit, minus one damage, five of no pain. It likes forest. To, um, get those minus twos in case you have extra hit rolls or I just, you know, don't pop the extra
1: um, minus one. So it gets really awkwardly durable. Um and so forth. Well, that's really cool. John, did you have any more questions about the list? I think I have an idea of the overall strategy of it. And it's it's actually really cool to think about it.
0: Um let me think here. Um, I mean, I've 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 been lucky enough to see this list across all of its evolutions. So I kind of get what it does. Um, I do uh, I do have some questions though for Mr. Mark. Um I mean, honestly, we haven't even talked about the Jank of the Cultists. But really, though, what are the are there any archetypes that you think are ones that you struggle with? Is there any sole piece of the list that you really like, like, really rely on? Because, like, my thought process is you've got a lot of different buffs to make all of your, your units do their thing. And then, quite frankly, like, it's all a little bit harder to kill than you expect, but still, it sometimes just dies. Like, sometimes you don't reroll anything into Mortarion. But it's fine because you just kind of roll well on the save on the wounds. And then while four-ups are four, ups, sometimes Mortarian just dies a little faster than you want. Like how much does this list rely on any single element like Mortarian or the, the noisemary unit? So
2: more often than not, when it comes down to relying on Morty is I had come down to mortality I'm like, you know, he's probably gonna die like turn two, turn three. Uh, anywhere if he makes it past that, where he just sometimes, you know, he just makes a lot of saves, he doesn't die, I'm like, well, this just makes my life a lot easier. If he doesn't, like, if he just takes a lot of extra damage, uh, I need to think about how could I mitigate some of that or in the early game, sometimes warp timing backwards, uh, sometimes not going forward. Try not to put myself in those positions to try to make those fail points as much with a on. and I've made those mistakes before, and I learned from them every time. The Noise Marines... That's why I'm always trying to make sure that when they're going in to make the plays, uh, the the whole fret of them gave me uh, the real value of them. Not always them just coming for tabling you or just doing massive amount of damage in one turn. I've had them pick up you know nine hundred thousand points in one turn. That's happened multiple times in my almost year of playing noise marines, and it's really about more or less projecting that fret. And my opponent understanding. There's one thing when you know people don't respect it, they just walk into it and then they kind of just take the entire army blunt and they get put in a really bad position. And then uh, when they respect the position, taking advantage of that as long as possible. As long as I know someone that I can will respect the noise rings, you're going to give like I'm, I'm I'm excited to see that because that allows me to have more opportunities to try to push you back, deny you points. Uh, kind of keep you under that, that fear. Try to avoid that failure point of me whiffing in one turn as long as possible. I don't want to re- I don't have to do the coin flip until I actually have to do it. If it's a two-up or save night, right? Um, or if it's like, you know, Deathwing Terminators. I really don't want to have to shoot them. I'm waiting for you to make a crucial, you know, mistake. Are you trying to stay away from me as long as possible uh, and trying to fear me? I do not want to put it off on early game. Because if it does make that failure point, I don't have the uh, I don't have the rest of the turns to maybe recover. Maybe the situation doesn't allow me to recover. It's make or break now. Um, and I want to avoid those situations as long as possible to not allow that to happen. Because my army, where it does is can be very tough. Like I said earlier, as soon as it starts falling apart, the game plan falls apart fast. The army is tough in situations when I get the right buffs up, when I put you in a pressure or timing um i do not want
1: to i don't recover very very easily with the list and so forth okay well that's that's very interesting and i think we'll get into a lot of that in the matchups and i think you tell me if i'm wrong but i think a lot of our discussions are going to be like what are your key pieces you're trying to protect what what pieces are you trying to make last to to late game and and how are you marshalling and applying your resources uh, in any particular game turn, because I think that's going to really dictate the flow of your matchups and what you're playing against is going to have a big say in that. Is, that. is that about accurate? Yeah. Yep. That is knocking it on the head. All right. Well, I'm excited for episode two. John, are you about ready for that?
0: I am ready for episode two. I'm really ready to dive into the nitty-gritties here, all these different matchups, because this list feels like it has to play a little bit different into everything, but it has play into anything.
2: Yep. I have I I can have a I have very different ways that I play every single matchup, and that's one of the reasons why it's become a toolbox more than a beatdown. Because like then I have played everything. The older versions where I was like you know double terminators, mortarian, all that stuff. Sometimes I ran in a situation where punching it did not get me out, and they could just continue to advance on me. So the tools, the tools,
1: the jank tools. All right. Well, for those of you that enjoy the Jank Tank discussion, we'll see you in episode two. Uh, For everyone else, we'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in.
0: Bye. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War Down Under, where we break down armies and new rules. The Art of War, 40k.com. This episode was brought to you by the Competitive 40k Network.